noticed there was a time when I was feeling very sensitive to criticism that I heard from some people in the scientific community. They said that faith in God was basically the equivalent to plain make-believe and that intelligent people don't give themselves to fantasy, but are grounded in the facts provided by science. I thought, well, I don't want to be perceived as unenlightened or uh, naive or foolish. And maybe you don't want to feel that way either. I'm Mark Lutz. I'm the director of Life Reset and Growth and Healing Pastor at the Vineyard. And this is First Things First. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, What may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Secular science says that they believe only what the evidence reveals, and that people of faith believe in myths instead of evidence. Well, here's what's really true. No scientist has ever observed a natural occurring incidence of the jump from non-living material to a living organism. No scientist has successfully created an experiment, even in a laboratory, uh, where they're controlling for variables, creating the most favorable environment, uh, keeping out extraneous material. No experiment has ever been done where they've gone from non-living ingredients to a single-celled living organism. Never. Scientists look around at all the life we have, and they extrapolate out that somehow we got this life. Perhaps lightning struck the primordial ooze, and we went from raw materials to a living organism. So from some evidence, they accept by faith that this must be how we got living things from non-living things. Secular scientists say, uh, by theory of evolution, that by a series of small, uh, spontaneous mutations and then natural selection, where those mutations give that living thing an advantage over the previous version, that we arrive at the present diversity of life that we have today, up to and including man. And all that's needed is to find the missing link to connect man back through ape to a single-celled organism, and eventually we most certainly will do that. However, what the fossil record shows is actually a fair bit of stability in life forms. Uh, there's fossil evidence for dragonflies and scorpions and crocodiles and alligators and sharks and the coelacanth fish and bears, wild pigs, wolves, big cats, armadillos, rhinoceros, and elephant-looking mammoths and mastodons, and many other animals that we have examples of uh, today with some variation. Natural selection did not eliminate them. And while the theory of evolution says that we get this great diversity of life by a series of many, many small mutations over many, many, many years, the fossil record shows that there was a sudden emergence of diverse living creatures in a certain epoch of time, and it's called the Cambrian explosion. Now, there's an estimated 10 to 14 million living creatures on the planet today. If we take the low estimate, there should be 10 million chains of evolution from single cell organism to a living creature that we know today. There should be evidence of many links in the evolutionary chain, slight variations from the previous version to show how we got from there to here. Now it's understandable that not every link would be captured by fossils. So let's say we're looking for chains that are 90% intact. Maybe that's too high, let's maybe 70. Uh, maybe 60, maybe 55% intact chain. There would be 10 million 55% evolutionary chains. 
All right, now maybe not every living thing has 55% of its chain recorded in the fossil record. So let's cut it in half. We're looking for 5 million chains. Uh, maybe the theory is proven if we only find 1 million chains, 55%. Maybe 100,000. Maybe 1,000. 100 out of 10 million, 55% intact evolutionary chains would prove the theory of evolution. But the actual number of chains that we have is zero. We're not looking for a missing link. We're looking for 10 million missing chains. Now, if you jump past all the previous links in the evolutionary chain to just the ones that start to look like modern man's, we ask ourselves, do we have a chain with only a missing link showing that man evolved through chimp or a common ancestor? Well, we have some nearly intact skeletons uh, but mostly we have uh, bone fragments, bones, teeth, from which a full skeleton is presumed. Now just imagine you and I would go around the world today collecting skeletons. Uh, we could get a skeleton of an NBA basketball player. Uh, we could get a skeleton of a, a horse jockey. We could get a sumo wrestler, a ballerina. We could get a skeleton of an African, an Asian, European, Hispanic, an indigenous island person. We could get a skeleton of someone with gigantism and one of someone with dwarfism. We could get a skeleton of someone who had Proteus syndrome and one with progeria. And we take all these skeletons and we could gather them together and line them up based on similarity and differentness. And we would know that this is not an example of evolutionary descent, but just of diversity. One did not lead to the other. All were living together at the same time. So the question is, is the amount of fossil evidence of humans sufficient to show common descent through apes? Are there enough links to conclude a chain? Does the evidence account for the diversity among the population at the time? How representative of the people at that time is our specimen? Does it account for abnormalities? I'd say there are not enough examples to show conclusively that this is the evolution of man from something not man. But some look at this evidence and they extrapolate out to that conclusion. Christians look at a world that is so complex with so many interlocking and interdependent systems where each one must operate within such strict tolerances or the whole thing comes apart. We look at such complexity and intricacy and we conclude that random chance as a cause has such a low probability as to be highly unlikely. The evidence for an intelligent designer to us is much stronger. And this includes evidence that the creator entered into the creation, into human history. The number of witnesses who assert that Jesus was more than human, well, they're great. And their truthfulness is affirmed by their willingness to give their lives and testimony to what they claim they saw and they experienced. Both modern science and Christianity look at evidence and extrapolate beyond the evidence and embrace by faith a theory. Each draws conclusions beyond what there's concrete evidence to absolutely prove. When you hear a scientist say they only believe in facts and people of faith accept fantasy as truth, you'll recognize that at best they're being disingenuous. God has given enough evidence for us to know that he's there enough to see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature revealed in creation. 
And there's also enough of a faith gap that if you don't want to believe, if you're unwilling to be held accountable by a being greater than yourself, then you don't have to for now. But you know that you have reason to be confident and stand firm in your faith in God as he's revealed himself in nature. Father, we are so grateful that you have chosen to show us who you are, to join us in relationship, to embrace us, to know you. And we ask that you'll continue to show us more and more of who you are. And for our family members, our friends, our neighbors who don't yet know you, we ask that you would soften their hearts and open their spiritual eyes so they too could see you and see how much you care for them. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.